Welcome to another episode of Chapman Sports Radio Panther Insider. This is Evan Andriola here. Uh, just going to be me this week. Uh, Thomas Doyle is not able to make it, but that's all right because we have two baseball players on and Thomas isn't a huge baseball fan in general anyway. So that's more my forte. I'm super excited for who we have on uh, just because me personally, I grew up playing baseball and I love talking baseball and we have two baseball players on this week. We have Henry Zeisler and Brad Shimabuku from the Chapman Sports Baseball Team or the Chapman <coughs> University Baseball Team. Guys, just you know, say say hello. Just tell us where you're from, your major, and uh, I guess what position you play. Hey guys, uh, I'm Hank. I'm from the Bay Area, Marin County. Um, I've played all over the place in my years at Chapman, but I'm playing third base this year. Um, excited to finally be back out on the field this year. Yeah, and what's up, guys? I'm Brad Shimabuku. I'm also from the Bay Area, um, from Belmont, California, and I play center field. Yeah, I think we're all Bay Area kids, actually. Brad, I mean, Brad and I are from literally like a town away. I'm from San Mateo. Um, and then, Hank, you said you're from Marin County. So, I mean, that's that's where the best baseball is played, honestly, the Bay Area. I, I'm curious. Are there a lot of guys on the Chapman team that are recruits from the Bay Area? Yeah, there's like a, a – like surprisingly high amount um less so this year but last year's team was almost like 50 50 barrier guys and oh geez, you're California kidding guys. wow yeah no i mean it's where the best guys are coming i would imagine like chapman's guys i mean i think chapman's um population in general even non-athletes it's kind of like a lot of bay area kids a lot of southern california kids and then also just kind of as a given that's where like the best baseball is played so it makes right. a lot of sense that there's a lot of recruiting done for that um so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna jump in right into it. Obviously, you guys have just started your season, right? You guys just had your first game this past week against Biola, correct? And you guys got the W, right? Yes, sir. Very good. So, like, how's it feel to be back on the field after it kind of being so long? I mean, obviously, um, you guys won the national title two years ago. You were hoping to get an opportunity to. Were you guys both part of that team two years ago? You guys were. Yeah. Hank, you're a senior, right? Yes. Okay. And then Brad, you're a or junior, so you were a freshman two years ago. Um, so, you know, how does it feel to be back on the field after so much time away? How has it been so far? It's been crazy exciting, um, but it's it's kind of weird because I, I was talking to our coach about it the other night at practice, and it's like last season, the one that got cut short, like felt like it happened in like a blink of an eye. And for a lot of guys, it's been a whole calendar year since they've played in like a baseball game. Um, a lot of us went and played summer ball or played in other leagues in the summer and the fall to prepare for this season. But like I said, for most guys, this was the first time playing in the game for a whole year. And it's just strange because you have your off season where you train and you're training for the next season. But in the fall and whatnot, with so many like questions in the air with COVID, it's like, all right, well, what are we training for? Like, are we going to have a season? What's going to happen? So to finally get that first game in was very exciting and a good reassurance to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. As Hank said, it was definitely exciting for us to uh, get back out there on the field, but it also, it also felt really weird. Um, it was the first time in a year, as Hank said. So it kind of just went by really fast and it, it was just exciting, but just weird. When did they give you guys the thumbs up that you were going to be able to play some games this spring? Like what was the time? Were you guys, getting any time on the field in the fall or was it really just kind of a last minute you know they told you well we were supposed to have a uh, fall and our typical fall schedule looks like uh like two weeks of team practice and then 
um, like four to six weeks of um, like scrimmages against other teams. And after about the first week of team practice, um, when COVID kind of started to spike up again, um, we got canceled. So, and to start, we had to do a bunch of COVID procedures. So we were in really small groups. We had limited equipment, limited access to facilities. Um, And then right when we were starting to get rolling, get the team together and using more equipment, this COVID spiked up and we got canceled. So we really had no fall season. Hmm. Has it been? So, I mean, just kind of with that, I mean, that just kind of adds on to the issue of like, you already haven't gotten to play in a long time. You didn't get to play spring 2020. Now you don't get the full fall like season. So has it been kind of a grind to get your guys' bodies back in baseball shape? I mean, you know, like, you know, getting, I, I mean, I know just kind of like for me playing baseball in high school, like you need a few weeks to kind of get your arm in shape before the season starts or else you're going to start to feel the pains of that <laughs> like a few weeks in. So was it hard to kind of have the ramp up quick since you didn't have that fall to kind of get a lot of that grunt work in? Um, I would say it was a little bit more accelerated than we would like it to be, but we also did a really good job in the fall with working out because we have a lot of home gyms, like workout equipment at uh, each baseball house. So we'd make groups and send guys to each house and to stay in shape pretty much and get back into that baseball feeling again. So it wasn't as much of a shock as it should have been if we didn't have workout equipment, but working out in the fall definitely helped. Yeah. What is it? Our coach is also, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, our coach was also very cautiously optimistic that we'd be starting a season sometime in March. So, uh, regardless of what the situation was, he was pushing, be ready for March, be ready for March, be ready for March. And even though some guys were optimistic, some guys were rather pessimistic, here we are, we played our first game at the end of March. And because, because we were, he was expecting to play, I think we all bought in and here we are with our season. And I think that's probably the healthiest approach to have. I mean, you'd rather be over-prepared and then not have a season than be caught on your heels like i mean i would imagine that's probably happened to a lot of programs because i mean when we saw fall stuff get canceled winter stuff get canceled i think a lot of people were like all right well like spring's next especially because you guys would be the first season where you would now have or you'd be the first sports the spring sports have all had now two seasons that would have been two seasons canceled so i think a lot of people were like you know what's going on here so i mean it probably has put you guys in a really awesome position um that you were expecting to play or going to be ready to play and now here you guys are you know hopefully being able to be in like the best shape you can be in to play and, you know, go out and have a good start to your season, which looks like you guys have. And are you guys, you guys have a, you guys are playing Biola a few more times this week, right? Just on Wednesday or next Wednesday. Okay. Are you guys having any games this weekend? We're inner squatting. So we're playing ourselves. Gotcha. Um, there's, there's a rule in place where because of COVID contact tracing, we're only allowed to play one team per week. Um, so, with a midweek game Wednesday, it means we can only play Biola this week, and they already have weekend games scheduled. So, gotcha. We're playing ourselves just to, like we talked about, keep guys in shape and in their routine when we do hit the conference game season. Yeah, and um, I know you guys talked a little bit before about. Um, well, I guess I, I I'd like to know a little bit more about the integration you guys had with all the new guys. I mean, so you guys haven't played as a team. I guess essentially on the on the field and in, in conference play in two years now, in college two years is like a whole recycle of new guys. Um, I mean, you guys are guys who have been there, but what's it been like incorporating the guys who 
were freshmen last year, freshmen this year, and guys who actually haven't played a game in a Chapman uniform before. How has it been kind of integrating them into the culture during such a weird time to be playing baseball? It's been a, it's been a really interesting dynamic because you have last year's freshman class that um, developmentally are now sophomores, but technically still freshmen because everyone got that year back. So, oh, you so got, ineligibility. Everybody got that year back. So, uh, in theory, Brad and I could stay and play next year. Uh, and so, right now, that um, the sophomore class, academic or uh, athletic eligibility wise, is still freshman. So, you have these guys who have been training their bodies and their minds and everything for a whole calendar year and a half now, and are technically still freshmen. So, that's I guess a huge advantage, but at the same time, they don't really have that in-game experience because last season got cut short. Mm -hmm. So in that, that in-game experience is invaluable. That's part of the reason why we were so good in 2019 and it carried over to 2020 because we had a strong core of players, including Brad that were freshmen that stepped in and played right away and nothing gets you ready to play for a college career than contributing as a freshman so having those freshmen is is it's huge because they got that year and a half of extra development to then i guess be a freshman again but it also like you were saying it creates this like backlog because if you're given that year of eligibility back if you have seniors that want to stay sure you're still having a recruiting class come in mm. so someone who might be a sophomore or a junior who's ready to take a step into the starting lineup is then, and then a senior is like, Oh, I'm going to stay and play another year. You've just got more players and more players. Hmm. Yeah. I can imagine that just creates, Hey, that's just a lot of just, like you said, it's an interesting dynamic, especially because you've got so many kids on the team who haven't played a game. So even the guys who were freshmen last year and they're sophomores right now, they haven't really played a game on the field since they were in high school. You know what I mean? So there's, yeah. and, and that's another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is Brad. I mean, I know you, you played high school in the WCAL, which is like ridiculously competitive. A lot of guys there go on to play collegiate ball. And Hank, I'm not sure if you were a WCAL guy, but. I'm um, Okay. So gotcha. So, I mean, good baseball all, all the way around. So what has been the, what has been the, you know, the change, I guess, from, from what has been, when you compare high school baseball to college baseball, which is very prevalent right now when you have a lot of guys who haven't, who are yet to make that switch. And it's a big, it's a big jump up. Um, what has been, you know, that adjustment? Like, I know you guys have not been here for a few years, but what do you remember about that adjustment? Um, it's pretty cliche, but uh, everybody says the game speeds up at higher levels and you have to slow your mind down. Like you can kind of see it sometimes at practice with the new guys, especially like everything's going out a thousand miles per hour for them. And they don't really know how, what to do or how to handle it. But then the seasoned veteran guys, they kind of know what's going on. So they're able to slow their mind down and slow the game down for themselves and make those adjustments to like perform at a high level. Um, but yeah, it's mostly just that that's the biggest jump for me at least was the game is just at a faster pace. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do and what's going to go on next and stuff like that. And as a freshman, I was kind of like just thrown into the vortex. So it, it took a little adjustment, but we, we made the adjustment and we're in a good position now. Another thing that we do a really good job on in the fall 
that we weren't able to do this year because it got uh, canceled because of COVID is in the fall, we get guys ready for the spring. And I remember my freshman year, the fall felt like a whole season. So when spring season started, I didn't like, I felt like a sophomore at that point. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like such a huge development part for me because then you're going into season with what feels like experience because we do everything in such a good way in the fall. And we weren't able to have that this past year. But like Rob was saying, the biggest thing is the game just speeds up. Every, every single guy on all these college rosters was the best player in high school. Sure. So it's a hard adjustment going from being the best player on your high school team or one of the top players in your high school team to then you're most likely not going to play a lot your freshman year. So I think that's a really difficult adjustment for some people. But it's, it's all about just, like Brad said, slowing the game down, learning what you have to do. and You pick it up faster than you would think. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, it's kind of the job of guys like you, the veterans at this point, who you take a lot of the younger guys under, under your wing, about the guys who are coming from high school where they were just the man on their team. You know, they were just beasts in their league, and now here they are, second, third string guys who have to learn how to be, you know, a supporting player in a different kind of way. And, you know, I think that's kind of, I mean, you guys, I would like you guys to speak on this, but is it ever kind of difficult to kind of, you know, mentor guys um, in changing their relationship with the team and the game now that they have to learn how to, how to be like a baseball teammate instead of just a guy who was the best on their team beforehand? I mean, I've never felt that was an issue. I think that when most kids come into a new program, they're kind of open eyes and open ears. They're willing to change their ways or whatever. So taking kids under their, under our wing is fairly easy because they're just so open to being like a good teammate now. And it's not like I have an ego. I'm the best on the team. It's like, look, we're on a team. We have a singular goal that we're all trying to achieve. So they're pretty just open to being a better teammate and being better themselves pretty much. One thing that helped me my freshman year that I've tried to implement as I've grown is it's less, it's almost less of like taking guys under your wing, but just like leading by example. So you do like when I was a freshman, I looked up to the, the older guys, saw what they did, how they did, why they were successful. Just by trying to copy that, I feel like the younger guys are doing the same. They see, they see the, the way the older guys do it the right way. They try and do it that way. And instead of having to like tell a guy, this is what you need to do. This is what you should do. It's almost just like instilled in our culture that that's how yeah. you do it. You show them, you don't tell them kind of thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you, um, I mean, I know a huge thing in, in baseball is finding, like you just, you just mentioned like team culture and getting teams close to each other. I mean, when you guys are playing in the season and you guys are traveling games on the road, on the bus, like you spend a lot of time together. So it's important to have a, a tight knit squad, but obviously this year it's been more difficult to incorporate guys kind of into the, especially the new guys into the, I guess the team, the team culture. How is that? What, what kind of things have you guys been able to do in order to become a close camaraderie as a team? And, you know, have, has it been more difficult? Have you guys still find a, found a way to be close as a team through this time? It's, it's definitely been more difficult because um, I keep going back to the fall, but the fall is like what builds our team. Um, we have early morning weights. Um, we have long practices. 
it's just long hours that you're with the team and we do a lot of things on the field and off the field that help us grow. And with the on the stuff field canceled and with all the COVID implications, we were trying not to not to do things that would put us in harm's way. So it's it was just about finding other ways. And I think we've started to do that um, this spring as we're together more and as COVID's hopefully getting better, but it has been difficult. Yeah, we definitely uh, had trouble trying to find a lot of time and like the space to do like team bonding activities, but we try to manage with what we have. And I think we still were able to create a good team chemistry this year. Yeah. I mean, that's important. Um, I mean, especially, I mean, I think in all sports it's important, but especially in baseball, just because you guys are spending so much, it's such a, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but it's just one of those sports like you have to have a tight knit squad or else it's not going to work out just because you have to rely on each other in different moments of the season. Um, and it just makes it that much more fun when you guys are close. Um, a fun question I kind of like to ask a lot of the athletes here are, um, do you guys have any sort of weird pregame rituals you guys do? I know baseball is a game of superstition. So is there any sort of stuff you guys do before you're at bat, before your game in general? Um, yeah, I want to pick your guys' brains on, on pregame rituals. Uh, well, for me personally, we have a morning game. I'm always going to McDonald's and getting a two for four. You're kidding me. Sausage before a game? Muffin. Two for first sausage muffin from McDonald's with a medium OJ every morning game. You did, you, uh, did you do that in high school too, or is that just a college thing? Just a college thing. Oh, okay. Just something quick and easy before the game, I guess, and just kind of carry it over throughout, throughout the years. Um, I'm less superstitious and probably more routine-based, so – for me, it's more simple. It's pregame workout, hit the cages, get to the field, do my thing. Um, but I guess one thing is I do have a donut before every game. That's what keeps me going. Yeah. Got, so something about having some kind of like extremely unhealthy food right before you play almost juices up. When I, was, um, when I was pitching in high school, I would always like drink enough where I would – like I would have to, this is going to sound weird. I would have to pee. Like I would, I wouldn't go out into the mound in the first inning unless I, I had to pee, but not to a point where it was like, I was like, it was like excruciating, but I always liked being a little bit like antsy. So, and I know that's one of those weird things where like, if you tell someone who doesn't understand baseball superstition at all, you just kind of sound like a psycho, but everyone kind of has their thing. My dad, um, my dad played with a guy in college who would take a shot, like a, he would take a shot glass of like honey every before every game it was something he did since he was in like little league and it just kind of carried on all the way through playing college ball um anyway yeah so we're gonna take a quick quick break um and we'll be back with these guys where we're gonna play some fun hot seat games asking them um baseball questions baseball trivia and see how well they really know the rules of their game uh but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back in a sec the official sports radio show of Chapman Radio airs noon, Monday through Thursday, and is hosted by Thomas Doyle and Evan Andriola. Tune in to hear interviews from Chapman athletes, coaches, and more. All right, welcome back to Chapman Sports Radio Panther Insider. We're here with two veteran baseball players. Hank Zeisler and Brad Shimabuku of the Chapman University baseball team. Um, off to a hot start so far this season. Just started off 1-0. Um, but we're going to hit them with some 
real baseball conversation. This is, these are the big, the big asks in the baseball world, so, um, which is honestly my favorite kind of conversation to have. I was a PO in high school, which means I spent a lot of time doing baseball trivia in the dugout on my off days and um, having these sort of conversations. So I'll, uh, I'll start Hank off. Um, turf or grass? Grass. I'm also a grass guy as well. Why? Um, just I, I understand. Just, I understand. Sorry, I was just say like I understand. Brad as an out. You're an outfielder, so I understand wanting to play on grass there. I, for what I know, infielders usually like a turf infield, though. Um, a well kept, a well kept grass and dirt infield, in my opinion, is a hundred times better than any turf field will ever be. However, a bad grass and dirt infield will it'll mess you up. Right, right, right. I've been fortunate enough in high school and here at Chapman to have extremely nice grass and dirt fields. And I could confidently say I'd rather play in the nice grass and dirt field every day. Um, I like grass because in the outfield, when I'm wearing my metal spikes. I like the crunch. Mm. I don't know. It's weird, but it's just kind of a thing for me. So that's why I prefer grass over turf. Yeah. I mean, the one thing you don't have to worry about well, the one thing you do have to worry about on grass, I will say, are the bad hops. And a lot of people will either be like, bad hops are part of the game, or, I mean, you can limit them by taking care of a field. But then, like you said, I mean, if you don't, if you don't take care of a field, like my field in high school was not great taken care of. And so we saw bad hops all over the place. You'd see bad hops on a bunt. Um, so are bad hops part of the game, or is it, is it the field, you know, is it the crew or the team's job to make sure their field's in, like, like if they have a grass field, is it their responsibility to make sure that their field's in good shape so that they get the most fair play from their field. Uh, I mean, I've always, I've always been taught and been in the boat this take pride in your field. So um, if there's a bad hop, make it feel better or feel the ball. So it's not a bad hop. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on to like a, would you rather right here? So would you rather, I mean, these both are, kind of sucky situations but um would you rather um get picked off to end an inning or to watch three strikes go by with the bases juiced to end an inning take off 100 percent. yeah there's no worse feeling than leaving runners on and striking out absolutely no worse feeling i would argue that getting picked off is worse especially if you're a guy who's supposed to be a good base runner you, if you told me like swing through three strikes to strike out, it would be maybe it would be a tougher decision. But I'm not looking at three strikes. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I respect that. I respect that. Um, I I will say though, I mean, like getting picked off for me is like one of the most humiliating things. I used to get picked. I, I'm not gonna say I used to get picked off quite a bit, but I used to. I had a bad habit of getting a little too antsy at third. And you know when you're like younger. And every catcher tries to backdoor you. This is like, like you know, playing 13, 14 years old. I would just get way too antsy waiting for a pass ball and get picked off at third a little too often. And that just kind of like scarred me. So I just never wanted that to happen again. Um, all right. What are we going to do? All right. So for your guys' gloves, Rawlings or Wilson? Rawlings. Wilson. All right. Debate it. Why? Which one do you, would you guys have pro-preferred? What do you... What's funny is I used to play outfield and I like the Wilson outfield gloves, but I like the Rawlings infield gloves. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I prefer Wilson because 
I've just always had a Wilson A2000 since I want to say when I was like 12. It's just kind of been my glove of choice. I never really liked Rawlings because I don't know. I thought it was kind of mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the underdog. They're both mainstream, though. I mean, it really is like a you don't see anyone at, um, like it's like Rawlings Gold Glove. It's not Wilson's Gold Glove award, you know. So like That's you gotta fair. go for the underdog there. That's fair. That's fair. Um, what's the best dugout snack? Ooh. That's tough. See, I feel like seeds is like the go-to answer, but I don't like to choose seeds while I play. But if I'm like, if I'm on the bench, I'm going to seeds. For me, it's like a three-inch Jersey Mike's cold cut. You're kidding me. That's it different. Yeah, that is different. I don't know. Oh, wait, you'll be eating this mid-game, or is this like when you're on an off day? Uh, sometimes mid-game, sometimes in between games, sometimes in the second game. Kind of depends. Really? Yeah. So you'll yeah. just be like munching on a on a sandwich like right before you, you're on deck? Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. What what flavor is seeds, Hank? I'm an original guy. Oh, no. Really? That's boring. It's fine. <laughs> it'll do okay um all right who's the uh who's the best player in the big leagues right now mm. you could build a team around any guy that is a loaded question if i could build a team around any guy yeah all right i'll go field, with that field player question. field player am i am i going to win right now or am i like building a team for you're, the future? you're building a team for the future a little bit of both i mean you don't want to have to wait 10 years for it for your guy to develop, but I'm taking Monster. Oh, that dude hits, and he's young. He's twenty. He's like eighteen. Yeah, yeah. he's probably thirty-five, but we'll go with eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would take the kid Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay, I think he's very electric, and it's easy to build a team around him. I like that. Both, um, Smart choice. yeah, those are both kind of atypical choices. I, I didn't see coming. I was looking, I was gonna think a lot more guys were gonna run with like, I don't know, like Trout or Soda. Yeah, I, mean, I could have seen, but you also have to take into account like the age, like Mike Trout's getting up there, right? Right, you're, right. Like, build a team, you're gonna build a team around the young guy who's already has the potential, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I do believe that Mike Trout is the greatest player in the league, potentially all time, without a doubt. Does it matter if he, does it matter if he doesn't do make any noise in the playoffs for by the end of his career? No, it doesn't matter to you. So, like, I know that's one of those things where in the NBA that's always going to be in conversation, but in baseball guys care about it much less. I think it's different for basketball because you can see like one player carry a whole team, where in baseball, like it's kind of a whole team effort. So it's a little different in that aspect. Yeah, like relying on teammates rather than willing yourself to push your team forward. You'll always be able, not obviously Trout still has plenty of years left, but you'll always be able to knock him for not having rings or whatever the case may be. But it's like, you can't try and argue the fact that he's not like one of the greatest hitters ever. Yeah. No, I hear that. I mean, he's, you can't argue with his regular season stats and just kind of like what he's done over 10 years now. I think he's been top three in MVP voting essentially every year he's been in the league. But, I don't know. I think it'll help his case that he stayed in Anaheim his entire career. But 
if they're not going to do anything more than what they've done so far, I don't know. It'll be difficult for him to be considered the greatest instead of just a guy who was a legend. Yeah. I'm going to take a break, guys, um, and then I'm going to just send you guys a new link, and we'll run for like another 10 minutes. I'm almost done. Just got a few more questions. All right. Welcome back, Chapman Sports Radio, Panther Insider. This is Evan Andriola. Still here with our baseball guys. Um, and we're going to ask them a few more questions uh, before we're going to end the show. And this is just kind of some questions I was able to kind of wrap. T- I just kind of pulled these together. It's a little bit of baseball terminology, weird baseball rules um, that I used to I used to bust guys with this back in the day. But I'll be interested to see if you guys can get this. Can you name... The seven ways to get to first base in an at-bat. Get to first base? Seven All ways right, to get to first go. base. I got my fingers here. Hit. Hit. Mm-hmm. Drop third strike. Drop. Walk. Hit by pitch. Hit by pitch. Catcher's experience. Error. Error. One more. Uh, this one's kind of a tricky one because you the, the batter gets to first base, but... That doesn't mean that something is fearless choice. That's pretty good. That was real good. I don't think I've ever seen someone get all seven that easily. That was very smooth. I know a little bit about baseball. I would hope so. Um, (laughs) Do you know a little something about a golden sombrero? What's a golden sombrero in baseball? I don't because I never had it. (laughs) 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 I have. So it's it's three strikeouts. I'll know that's four. Oh, it's four? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's just three. It's just three. No, uh, four. Golden Sombrero is four? Oh, and he's a, a hat trick. Four a Golden Sombrero. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You never had a Golden Sombrero? Wait, they have to be all looking, or is it just four strikeouts in a game? I think it's just four strikeouts. Oh, it's four strikeouts. I thought it was all looking, but that's just... Mm-hmm. It happened, so... You're four, four looking? That's brutal. At that point, I'm just, like, swinging at everything. If I've, seen, if I've watched that many pitches go by... That's tough. I mean, I can't. I can't say it's never happened to me though. It probably has at some point. There's a reason I became a PO. So, um, all right, this is pretty easy. But when does the setup man usually enter the game? I don't know. In, in, in a in a nine inning game. In a nine inning game. In just the eighth before the closer. Mm, yeah, that too. Before the closer, but typically. Historically, the closer does usually comes in the eighth inning. Eight? Yeah, so the setup guy comes in the seventh. That's what I was. That's what I was able to find in the history of the setup man. The, the setup guy technically comes in the seventh inning, two innings before the final inning. Very nice. One. Um, why do they call it the cleanup hitter? Cleans up the mess on the bases. That's right. That's honestly right. <laughs> Did you know that one, or you just get that's just kind of self-explanatory there? That's uh, educated guess. Okay, a little bit of both. Um, if a batter hits a frozen rope line drive to the pitcher's rubber, it bounces back behind home plate in a foul territory. Is it fair or foul? That's a fair ball. Brad bounces yeah. hits the hits the pitcher's rubber. 
I would assume it's a fair ball. But it sounds like a trick question, so I'm leaning towards foul ball. So what, why, 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 what's the logic on it being a fair ball? Because the rubber's technically a base, and if it hits a base, it's fair. So When's the rubber a base? I, I don't know. I didn't make the rules. If the rubber's not a base. That's a foul ball. Because it's... Yeah, so the logic, it never passes a base in fair territory. And since the rubber's only 60 feet away, not 90 feet away, it's not a base. I think that's the logic on that one. Um, let's see what else I got for you guys. This one's, this one's easy. I'll do the last one's a real easy one. What's a can of corn? When I'm standing in the outfield and I don't need to move to catch the fly ball. Yeah. Do you, I don't really know why they call it a can of corn. Is it just because it's super easy? It's just an easy play? So, it's probably some old adage where someone would like throw a can of corn at someone and it was easy to catch or something. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of like, oh, I used to have this big baseball encyclopedia that was like a bunch of old terms that they just like don't use anymore. It's basically like a baseball dictionary of just like, there's, baseball's been around long enough where, and enough weird guys have been commentators where there's just a bunch of weird terminology that's been coined over the years. Um... All right. Well, that's. I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to end the show there. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, good luck this week with your games. I'm hoping to get a shot to come out and watch you guys play this year um, since I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to see you guys play ever. So I'd really love to get out and see you guys play. Good luck. And I really appreciate you guys coming on. Anything last you guys want to say, uh, feel free. Go Panthers. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. All right. This has been Chapman Sports Radio, Panther Insider. Um, thanks for listening and tune in again next week.